What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. On July 26th, in broad daylight, the San Francisco Police Department shot and killed Ryan Peanut Bluford in front of his Hunters Point Bayview community amidst pleas from bystanders not to shoot him. Joining us to discuss is his first cousin, L'Oreal Earl. Good morning, L'Oreal. Well, good morning, Kat. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, let me just let me just start by saying I am so very sorry for your loss. Um, and, and the loss to, to your family. Um, I always, when I, when I, you know, cover these stories, <clears throat> want to start with the humanity of the person that was stolen from us. Can you tell us about your cousin, Ryan? Um, my cousin, Ryan, um, well, like you said, thank you again for your condolences. Um, I always, oftentimes find myself at a loss of words, um, uh, when I'm, when I think about this tragedy I've been thrown into, um, I mean, I, I really believe we were thrown into it so unexpected. But yes, my cousin uh, Ryan Bluford, aka Peanut, was the youngest male of her family. Um, kind, um, caring. We haven't been in touch. Um, you know, we weren't talking every single day. You know, as life, um, as we transverse life. But um, kind, caring, funny young man. Um, obviously, uh, are daring. Um, I would say very but calm, cool, and collective. Um, come, um, he, def- he definitely comes from a well-loved family. He, he leaves three children, uh, three sons, fine, um, and a host of relatives. His mother just recently passed away suddenly um, in all- October, um, and that's another tragedy we can dive into later, I guess, which I think kind of led to some of um, his, I heard you speak about mental wellness earlier. Um, but yes, a young African American man with so much promise, so much hope, um, so much love, so much laughter, so much light, um, and I, that's how I actually want um, his him to be remembered. Um, I remember I remember him as a um, as someone. I remember him always wanted to be a superhero, and in some ways, I feel like from the video that I watched, I feel like he died a superhero. Um, but yes, someone who I think that will surely, some of them that I know will be surely missed. And um, the police just kind of took away a star of me. I, I actually don't feel like we lost necessarily someone. But I do feel like uh, a family member. I do feel like we gained another angel in heaven and some more protection. Um, and I'll leave it there. You mentioned the video. Yes, you mentioned the video. I mean, that's how I learned about the murder. Um, I just happened to be scrolling through Instagram, and and the video was there on the Frisco Cop Watch page. How did you get the news? I got the news through telephone. Um, My sister and my mom both called me. um, At the time, they kind of were actually having a small beef. So I thought I looped them into a, a three-way call to kind of squash the family beef. But lo and behold, um, they were both calling me to tell me the tragic news. So I learned about the news um, through my family, my sister, my mother, um, childhood of my sister, my mother, Sophronia. And that's when we just kind of had the teleconferencing grief call. 
As best as you can, L'Oreal, walk us through what you understand happened on the afternoon of July 26th. You know what? I, honestly, I really had some reservations about this call because I feel like there's so many scattered details. I really believe that, I, so I will be honest, I don't know specifically what happened. I just only know what happened from that clip that I saw. I really would love for us to have a conversation with the, the young lady who, um, the, the soldier who actually took the camera, uh, took the who was, um, who took the video, who was very um, adamant about taking a video. She's like the real superhero, and I know my family want to reach out to her. I would love to reach out to the gentleman that they, that they say. Well, there's a, I guess, a community member, maybe a resident from the Bayview who was going to be arrested, and my cousin has some resistance to that. And so I think that my cousin, in whatever state of mind he was in, um, it was ambitious enough to think that he could support and protect the community member or the resident who was about to be arrested by the police officer. So I think that's what happened. There was a resident about to be arrested. My cousin had an issue with that. Um, and again, I'm speaking loosely. Because um, I yeah. don't know the full details, but I, from what I understand, he just was not. Um, he was he felt so protected. He was. Um, he felt like he just wanted to protect protect the individual who was about to be arrested, and he stood um, firm in that um, to the point of the execution. Um, I don't know if he knew the individual. Um, I don't know why he um, chose the methods that he chose. So, um, so that those details are still up in the air. But from what I, from what I understand, he um, was died trying to protect this individual from being incarcerated. And I know that my cousin was incarcerated um, years ago. Um, and I don't know if the police and their methods triggered him, but um, that's kind of what I got from the video because, well, that's what I got from the video. Um, because I just know the character that he is. He, I mean, I don't really... I don't, I, seen him as a vigilante in one way or another, but I know that he um, like he comes from a very religious family. So um, to see him act out in this method, it just seemed like he was triggered by something. And that's what we are really trying to get to the bottom of, um, how much of this was triggered. Well, a lot of it was triggered. But I think his past being in, in, in the system, being institutionalized, um, and that's the best we can come up with. Um, well, you also mentioned, yeah, you also mentioned, you know, his mother passing away and you briefly said the words mental health. What role do you think maybe mental health or grief um, played in the events of that day? Well, I will just say it's two things. My cousin went to, he was, he was, he went to sit down. Um, so he did, he obviously was involved in something. Time was served. He went to jail like at 20, never been in jail before. No previous, no previous criminal record, no, no gun record. Uh, so he went to jail for the prison for the first time, I think at the age of 25. He went to, um, he really comforted, he really was, um, I feel like a sheltered young man because his father and my auntie were both Jehovah's Witnesses. So they had, he had a real strict upbringing. So, like I said, no previous criminal record um, was obviously involved in something. Him and his friends together, or family members together, he um, did his time, held accountable, got out of jail. Like they spent like 15 years in jail, so he got out like 35. Um, 
And so that definitely plays, I think, a part, you know, when you go from the free world to incarceration um, as a young black male in America, black and brown male person in America. Um, In addition to that, um, coming back to be reintegrated back in society, his mother, um, I mean, when you talk about, it it seems like my cousin was acting recklessly and I have a hard time talking about recklessly. Um, I really have to talk about recklessly when I think about how his mother passed away. She had was diagnosed cancer in Oct- in August of 2022 um, because she uh, because of her own mental illness issues. And as a black woman, really didn't trust quote unquote uh, medical professionals. She didn't have a primary doctor, so Mark Zuckerberg Hospital, General Hospital, didn't properly care for her. Um, so she. They, like she went into the hospital, complained of some pain. They sent her on with an aspirin. She came back, um, said it didn't work. They sent her to another hospital. So she was kind of shuffled around until um, until maybe October, and that's when they learned she had um, uterus cancer, cancer, and that's when she died. So she died. She went to the hospital in October, in August, died in October, and it was at the hands of just uh, the medical professionals at Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, carelessly and recklessly caring for my auntie. No real reason as to why she wasn't deserved. Um, she didn't receive proper medical care. It was just really, they didn't find her in the system, so they didn't really um, hold her in priority. So I really believe him being a mother's boy um, and losing his mother so suddenly, because we really did lose her. Some days it's like she's still here, right? We lost her just like that. Um, and again, I said from August to October, right? And so I think that really played a heavily a uh, heavy role in his mental wellness and his stableness. Um, you know, I just think a few weeks ago he was asking my young sister who just moved to Dublin Pleasanton, Charlotte. She he just asked her to move in with her. He was like, you know, the city. I, I didn't. I wasn't there for the conversation, but it was just ironic that he was saying, "Hey, I might have to come move move in with you, cause." And so I think those factors are really. Um, despite the fact, despite the fact that he's like in the Bayview, and and there could be, you know, there's chemicals there that's been kind of uh, causing mental wellness, I believe, in in that district, um, along with the rise of fentanyl. That's I'm saying my cousin was on drugs, but there's so many factors that contribute to the mental wellness of our the urban communities. But the main one for my cousin, I believe, was this industri- prison industrial complex, as well as the sudden loss of his mother, Dorothy Bla- Dorothy Blakely. L'Oreal, yes, uh, L'Oreal, immediately following um, your cousin's murder, you recorded a video with the Anti-Police Terror Project talking about abolishment and defunding of the police. Can you talk a little bit about how this has impacted your thoughts about where we need to go next in this country in regards to public safety? Sure thing. I think um, there's an urgent need for reform. Um, I do believe, like, when I look at the video, I, I suddenly when I looked at the when I heard about it, I looked at the video. Obviously, the, the things were just matching. They like weren't connecting. My cousin's like waving a gun at. Excuse me, <clears throat> my cousin's waving a pol- gun at the police. Like there's just like what you, you know, just unheard of. Um, but when I look at the video, I was expecting. I don't know if you guys seen. Um, if you all seen in the recent news, an uh, individual who was like naked on a freeway shooting at individuals with a gun. Um, that was just like in the news last week. There was this woman on 580. She was like walking up to down the freeway. She was not wearing any clothes, and she actually had a gun on her, and she actually was shooting at individuals. 
and she actually did walk away from that. Um, and so what I expected really was that kind of, uh, I was expecting to see that on the news. I mean, sorry, I was expecting to see that in the clip. But what I did see is I seen a, my cousin, I seen a lot of frustration in him. I didn't realize, I don't know if my Instagram was um, having a malfunction, but I did not see a weapon until after he had been executed, if you will. Uh, meaning I thought he was going to be waving the gun like the young lady on the freeway. I thought he was possibly going to be, um, you know, probably naked, just really out, out really unhinged. Uh, but I didn't see that. I seen him engaging with the police. I did see his hand in his pocket. Um, so I guess I did see him outnumbered. I just seen somebody who was frustrated, um, as we often are by the by, by um, and triggered by the police. And so I, I do know that he he did have a gun. Um, Allegedly, right? I did, I did see a gun. I just never seen him wave it at anyone. And I'm just, I really um, cannot really, I can only speak to the fact that I didn't see any of those officers, like more than one officer. And I just really did not see it. I wish that there had been someone there to talk him off that ledge. Um, and I just, I felt like they, police cannot always be the judge, jury, and executioner. Um, and I noticed that if there would have been maybe one officer, like I, I lived in a TL before, I know an officer battle, I know an officer cuff, um, I know officers who, um, officer battle, officer cuff, officer O'Brien, who really, um, who, um, who really was uh, kind of instrumental in keeping me out of trouble, talking me off that ledge. And when I was irate or triggered or in, in or in some beef, and I just wish that my cousin would have had like one of those officers would have said, "Hey, I'm like, you know, let me go talk to this young man and see what exactly why why he is insisting on being a bullet a bullet a bulletproof vest." I did not see my cousin really holding anyone hostage. In fact, I, it looked like he was protecting someone. And so when I say defund. Um, the police and refund communities. I really believe that police officers are already okay. So they have a culture competency competency training. I believe they. I believe that they are of all civil servants. They are the most trained. Um, I think that it's now time to. And they're trained more than fire. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're trained more than fire um, firefighters. And I really wish that at this point, um, if it's if it's not George Floyd, if it's not Banco Brown, if it's not um, Mario Woods, who I'm a close family, a friend of a close family member with, if it's not um, if it's not them, I mean, with those examples, um, the police. I mean, I was really really would like to talk to Mayor London Bree to talk about how we can really start funding communities, really start taking um, putting that money into social right to mobility, a mobile crisis. Um, I would have loved to see that some of the money that um, that's being uh, that's used in officers' wages kind of be um, administered or redirected to urban alchemy. I would have, for an example, I would have loved here in San Francisco. That it's called Urban Alchemy. I think they have a lot of young black men. They're employing young black men. You see them up and down Market Street. They have those green vests on. I would love to see um, some money going into these. Um, these agencies are employing these young black, black men and teaching them de-escalation strategies. I just really believe that there was no de-escalation strategies employed at the time of my cousin's shooting. Um, I believe in the Rob Elementary shooting, they gave the, the young men an hour and a half before entering the um, 
before entering their Rob Elementary School. So I'm gonna, I really like to know what, how long did they take, how much, how, how long did they, how long did, how much time did they take to negotiate with my cousin before really just seeing him as target practice? And so I would love for them, I would love for the government to really, or love for the city to refund the, refund the people who are already doing this work. I was a homeless. I just heard someone speaking. I was a director of a navigation center called Tame and Boot Navigation Center under St. James Infirmary. Another story. Um, uh, practices that they were involved in I just did not fit. Was that in line with my moral compass? But there are people who are actually doing this work who are underpaid. There's teachers. There's professionals. There's the hot team. There's people who actually are doing this work who could actually be funded a lot more heavily, if, uh, and, 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 and they're a lot more skillful, and they could be used in these in, in these in these instances. Police are really only hired to apprehend and arrest, and they should not just only feel like they can arrest black and brown bodies in body bags. That's not the only way to detain or contain bodies. And so when I say defund the police, that's what I mean. Defund the police and refund our communities. Refund, give us, give us uh, more money, um, give money to activities, give money to, um, to, like I said, to these mobile, to, to some of these contribute more to the overdose teens um, with the surge of, like I said, with the surge of fentanyl on the streets. Um, right. like L'Oreal, I'm sorry, love. We've got to leave it there. But um, again, we are so sorry for your loss and look forward to having you back on the show soon. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.